Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to our show. Today we discuss about very important topic about e-commerce marketing, how you can get results on this field because it's extremely competitive today. It's hard to get results, but it's possible if you have the right approach. So I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Rich. How are you? Hey, thanks a lot for that intro doing great and super excited to be here yeah for me it's a big pleasure to learn more about that because i have clients uh who uh, want to get traffic and sales in e-commerce field before we start just tell more about yourself experience background and why you decided to share with us about this important topic Sure. So I started my digital marketing and growth journey 12 years ago, and that's when I launched my first startup. And I've been running a digital marketing agency for the past 10 years. And um, slowly after I saw the boom in e-commerce, I actually focused my agency to work with more e-commerce customers. And with the experience, I was able to work as fractional CMO to many big e-commerce and fashion brands. Um, so e-commerce has been in uh, my experience throughout the past decade. So it's been 10 years that I've been doing e-commerce. I've also done my own stores on the side on Shopify from drop shipping to different kinds of store experiments and also worked with uh, big brands and big companies in e-commerce. So the reason why I think that this is a great time to share about e-commerce is because the ecosystem has changed a lot. And uh, we have a fear of recession on one side on the economy. On the other side, uh, Facebook ads seems to be becoming expensive with Meta and iOS clash, uh, clashes and tracking issues and uh, so forth. So this is a good time to actually share and reinforce with people that it's not a bad time to get into e-commerce. In fact, it's never going to be a bad time to get into e-commerce because people continue to spend money in shopping online. And as long as user behavior continues to be that, e-commerce is always going to be in fashion. So, um, yeah, super excited to share the learnings. And I think this would be a great time to do that. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. I love your experience. Uh, let me share my story. Uh, like 12 years ago, when I started my uh, marketing journey, online journey, digital, uh, you know, I didn't consider a lot about buying persona, about sales funnel, about many other marketing uh, foundations, because at that time, cost per click was five, ten cents. Today, it costs like five, ten dollars, you know, sometimes fifty dollars. Crazy. <laughs> but, you know, uh, today I pay a lot of attention to creating the right buying persona, uh, creating content that covers sales funnel, because... Um, once I got a client who told me uh, that he lost like 400,000 traffic in SEO field, but he didn't lose sales. <laughs> so he had uh, a huge traffic that didn't convert. Uh, and to, I think it's very important to create the right marketing strategy. It's not only to get traffic, uh, uh, creating brand awareness, to get a lot of followers. It's important to get sales because without sales, uh, it's, uh, you can't grow your business. So can you tell where to start? What to do first? Because marketing is huge. You know, many different directions. Organic reach, paid marketing, uh, ACO, social media. So any insights how to find the right channel and create the right strategy? 
Sure. Um, so before I come to that point, I think you also mentioned a very interesting point that resonated with me, and I want to actually cover that first. So you said that when you started, for example, the the CPCs, let's say, were pretty low, and you know, I feel that digital marketing twelve years ago was similar to traditional marketing, where you would just basically broadcast your message on television or radio, and then wait for your audience to magically appear, right? So you want the top of the funnel to be as broad as possible. And then you're like, just reach out and make as many people aware about uh, the product or service just because it's so cheap. And it's it's what I see today with TikTok marketing, right? Like people just want to make a video and make sure it reaches 1 million views. And then eventually someone is going to buy from you. And in many cases that actually works, but in many cases it does not. Um, but the point is that over time, digital marketing has taken a different shape and form that has gone from this sort of broad top of the funnel uh, radio TV like marketing to more specific user persona focused uh, channel based uh, driven marketing. And I think that's a very good transition to have because now only the serious digital marketeers can actually stand out of the rest of the marketeers and also brands, right? If you have a serious product, you can stand out of uh, all of those uh, hundreds and thousands of brands who are just there uh, out there doing, you know, push marketing. And um, that brings me to the other point, which you asked about. There are so many things, right? There are so many channels. There's paid, there's organic. Within paid, you have hundreds of channels. Within organic, you have hundreds of channels. Um, I, my suggestion to people, I also run online marketing courses. So my suggestion to people who join my courses or even to students who uh, likely join your courses is to eventually try to form a T-shape um, skill. Right. So you want to find a, you want to find your depth of knowledge, uh, even though you want the width of knowledge, you eventually want to deep dive into one of those channels, into one of those ways of marketing and become that's how you become valuable to the community by by deep diving into one or two things. Because if you become a T-shaped marketer, then you understand what width of knowledge you need to have, but you also can deep dive. So let me give you an example. Um, you might know about content, blogging, SEO, SEM, and all of those other things, but then you can deep dive, let's say, on link building, right? Or you can deep dive on uh, on-page technical SEO, or you can just deep dive into a specific social media channel. And this deep dive makes you more valuable to the community because you have a few specific skill sets that you're really, really good at, but you also understand the width of knowledge in the entire ecosystem as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, interesting. Okay, let's talk about how uh, to create the right strategy. You know, uh, I often see when companies replicate successful competitors. For example, if competitors are good with SEO, uh, with some keywords, they uh, use Ahrefs, SEMrush, many other tools to find their, these keywords and try to create the same content, create the same strategy. Uh, if uh, competitors are good on Instagram or LinkedIn, yeah, they are going to replicate them. But sometimes competitors, uh, not sometimes, often, even always, <laughs> they consider their strong sides. If they have success with some specific channels, because of knowing how these channels work, because of knowing how to create content that can help to cover a buying persona. And I usually tell um, uh, my clients to forget about competition. Okay, yeah, you can analyze, you can think. If it's your strong sign, so why not? You can uh, touch the same. But if it's not your strong side, it's better to find another channel that works actually for you. Uh, can you tell how to find 
the right channel. Uh, and uh, uh, how to create marketing strategy uh, on this channel uh, that uh, covers a buying persona? Sure, I think there's a lot of important points there. So the first thing is like the fundamentals. Like that I feel is the first layer. And then the second layer is the strategy or the methods. And then the third layer, which is a very small layer, is like the tips and hacks and small improvements like CRO and so forth. So, um, you know, I feel, unfortunately, a lot of marketers don't focus on the fundamentals. first. So the first thing is you focus on your fundamentals. Like you mentioned, you know, user persona, understand the user's journey, understand the marketing funnel, understand which stage of the marketing funnel you are focusing on and what kind of content goes into which stage of the funnel, what kind of channels go into which stage of the funnel. For example, if you're looking at acquisition, you might want to run ads, but if you're looking at retention, you might want to do email marketing, uh, SEO works across the board, but it's important to understand and map the user journey and the channel. So that's like the fundamentals. And then you have the strategies, which we'll talk about, which is the question that you asked. And then at the final stage, this is how you differentiate from other marketers, which is like 10%, 5%, 15%, plus or minus. But that's where the hacks and the small tips and small improvements come in. So, um, you know, I feel if if you do fundamentals, you're already in the top 10, 20% of marketers. And if you do strategies, you are in the top 5%. And if you do all of those small improvements, that you're in the top 1 or 2%. Um, so you want to work your way up. But when it comes to strategies, I would say, you know, find out where your target persona is the most active on. And those are the channels that you need to work with. Um, if you have three channels where your persona is the most active on, then you need to shortlist the ones where you are good at, right? So if you are good at the channels and your persona is there, now you end up with one or two channels and then you run experiments on those channels and see what actually gets you results and then modify and work your way up from there. So that would be a process I would recommend. Sometimes marketers make the other mistake where they say, I am good at this channel, but I don't care where the persona is and start executing on that channel. That's also a mistake. On the other hand, if you say the persona is good here, but I'm not good at it, uh, then again, there's a mismatch. So if you can find the channel where you can execute well and your persona is already there on that channel, then you are in a very good place. You know, then you're basically lucky with the channel. Um, and that's, that's, the, uh, you know, that's the right way to, I think, find the channels that you want to work. Yeah, nice. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, because, you know, I found, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned about combination, about finding where your audience is, where customers are, and uh, where you're good. <laughs> because, you know, uh, many marketing books uh, share that you need to find where your audience is. But if I'm not good with that, if I don't know how this channel works. So whatever I do, I can't get results. Of course, I can hire someone else who can help me. Why not? But, you know, uh, I think if uh, customers don't understand how the channel works, uh, it's hard to get results even with the best experts. Uh, for example, I found that we usually get much higher results with uh, customers who understand SEO because they uh, know... Mm about importance of creating high quality content. They know how it's important to uh, have a good looking website, you know. Uh, but if uh, customers think that uh, experts can decide all their problems, no way. <laughs> it's the same like uh, if someone wanna lose weight, 
uh, you can hire the best coach in the world, you know, the best expert, but you need to eat healthy food, you need to train hard, you need to rest, many other things if you want to achieve results. That's why 90% of people can't lose weight. And the best coaches can't help you if you don't understand the foundation. They can lead you, they can share what you need to do. So it's very important to understand. Okay, let's talk about organic reach. Uh, how to get results with organic reach for e-commerce projects. Right. So in e-commerce, uh, you know, for some reason, the industry has gone into that ads dead loop where, you know, they run ads, uh, the cost of acquisition goes high, their order value gets low, and then they're, it's hard for them to recover unless they have a high lifetime value of the customer. So in e-commerce, the game is always about getting the second order or the third order or the fourth order. Because you're hardly ever profitable in the first order if you only focus on paid acquisition, right? So um, great question there, right? So a lot of a lot of businesses are focusing on ads, but then they are missing out on some of those organic reach options. But I feel one of the best channels for organic reach in e-commerce is influencer marketing, and uh, the reason why influencer marketing works really well for uh, e-commerce is because you can find influencers or micro influencers who have the same persona as your audience. And you can basically have the products shipped to them and you can collaborate with nano influencers in exchange for giving them free products. Like that's how you work your way up. And then when you get orders in, you can actually pay some micro influencers to collaborate with you. So influencer marketing is a big one. Um, then the second one is, you know, e-commerce brands have a huge opportunity when it comes to organic social media, even though a lot of people feel that organic reach on social media is dead. It's actually not the case, because if you can collaborate and find the right content creators, you will actually get a very good organic reach. And UGC is one of the biggest ways to do that. So if let's say people start ordering your products and you can ask them to review your products on social media, like basically get genuine user generated content then the reach actually goes off the loop. And that, this is what we found uh, working with different e-commerce brands. Uh, influencer, UGC, basically anything that lets you create genuine content that resonates with people on social media. That works really well. Uh, SEO, of course, is a big one. Uh, the way that SEO works for e-commerce, of course, is very different than the way a business website or a lead gen uh, SaaS would do SEO. Uh, in the sense that you have the product pages on e-commerce, uh, are like landing pages, right? And whenever you drive traffic from ads, you either drive it to a product page or you drive it to a collection page where you have a collection of products. But most e-commerce brands ignore their blog section completely. And uh, it's very common to fall into this trap because you have your focus on the product pages. But when we started this experiment of actually creating high quality content on the blogs, which resonates with people, we also saw very good results. So for example, we work with a skincare brand where we were basically the brand was just optimizing the skincare product pages. And then we said, why don't you write blogs about skincare tips or beauty tips uh, that your target audience can follow? And that got us a lot of good organic reach as well. So I would say... Uh, you know, blogging, uh, influencer marketing, and UGC would be like my three picks for uh, e-commerce brands if they want to get like organic reach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about influence marketing. Uh, can you tell how to find the right influencers? Because, you know, right. <laughs> we have a lot of accounts that have audience, uh, but it doesn't mean that you can sell. Uh, products with uh, different influencers uh, and uh, I found we have some 
fake influencers who uh, you know who get fake followers uh, can create this engagement you know uh, I am not sure it's a good idea to cooperate with such influencers can you tell your methods how to find influencers that will provide results right so since you mentioned the fitness example you know it comes to my mind finding the right influencer is like finding a good abs workout you know because there are so many workouts on youtube which will sell you six pack abs in 5 minutes but it doesn't work you don't get the abs in 5 minutes um so filtering out to influencers i have three different criteria the first one is that the influencer persona should match my user persona so basically if my influencer if if my user is let's say a female 18 to 26 years old based in the US or Canada then i'm also looking at an influencer who is 18 to 26 female based in US or Canada so i'm basically mapping my user persona and the influencer persona the second thing i'm looking at is the metrics on their social media accounts and i'm not looking at the number of followers i'm looking at the engagement rates so when i look at the engagement rates i have a much better clarity on whether this is a genuine influencer or not along with engagement rates i'm also looking at sudden spikes or dips in the follower count so let's say for example if someone has 5000 followers and the next day they have 4000 followers that means they probably bought 1000 followers right um or if they have 4000 followers and within one day they have 5000 followers like those are like the obvious ones um sometimes you know uh, my team is browsing through their followers and seeing if they have bot accounts if they have spammy usernames if they have no profile pictures you know it's the obvious signs um so that's the second thing if the engagement rate is good based on the number of followers that they have so if they have more followers they'll typically have slightly lower engagement rates and that's fine but if they have less followers they should have very high engagement rates um so with high engagement rates uh, that's my second criteria and then finally my third criteria is have they collaborated with any other brand which is my competitor in the past and if they've done that it's actually a good sign because that means that it has worked out for another brand some brands think that if they have done a partnership with another brand uh, we should not work with them but it's actually the other way around you should actually work with those people who are working with other brands because even even though they are competitors that means that it's working out for the other brands so those are my three criteria to select influencers awesome awesome i love i love your criteria because uh, i i know how it's hard to find the right influencer and um, uh, i often see when someone can share uh, influence marketing doesn't work for me why because uh, i tried and failed <laughs> you know probably you found uh, drone influencer and uh, we have a lot of fake influencers and it's the same you know with paid marketing with seo when someone can share seo is dead paid marketing uh, is overwhelmed overpriced yeah of course of course all channels overwhelmed and overpriced because of competition you're not alone so your goal is to be better than others and sometimes i can tell forget about algorithms because you know seo algorithms change fast uh, if i remember correctly uh, like 7000 times a year google change the algorithms uh, we don't see this tiny changes uh, we have some core uh, algorithms but uh, in the end uh, if you pay attention to customers if you pay attention to satisfy user intent you can uh, touch this algorithms and i spoke with a few influencers for example bridgen hyson she has uh, 4 million followers on linkedin 
And uh, I found that, that many influencers don't understand how algorithm works you know, because they have no time with that. Uh, okay, you can recognize today and tomorrow will be changed. So uh, what, what's the point? But if you uh, think about customers, if you think how to satisfy their intent, then algorithm will work for you because all algorithms have the goal to provide the best possible content uh, in SEO, in uh, social media, on LinkedIn, Facebook, name them so. Yeah. Okay, uh, Rich, uh, you mentioned about blogging. Uh, and, uh, you know, today we have this chat GPT. I found one uh, trap. Yeah, because, you know, many bloggers, uh, uh, for example, many companies have no time to create content. They usually cooperate with uh, some writers, copywriters online. And uh, it's hard today to find the right uh, specialist who can create content for your blog. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, we had a bunch of mediocre writers who uh, have good ratings on Upwork, Fiverr, many other platforms. But they produce just rewriting. No, nothing special without any uh, new data. And uh, uh, I was uh, caught a few times with that as well because, you know, uh, all these writers can use chat GPT. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, I'm not against AI. Of course, uh, it's the future. It's present, you know, it's not only the future. It can help to save time. But... Uh, if you rely 100% on this tool, you can't get results. You need to spend time with editing. You need to spend time with providing something new. This tool can help now to go in the right direction. So can you tell how to find responsible writers who can create content for your blog? Sure. So um, I have a very different opinion than most people in the industry on this. I feel that the best writers are the business owners. So uh, the reason why I feel that is because I personally write all the blogs and all the content on my own business website. And that's because I only write from personal experience. Um, I don't write from, you know, coming from a research perspective. Like I'm not reading four blogs and then making a new blog out of reading those four blogs because, you know, ChatGPT can do that. Uh, Jasper.ai can do that. I want to do something which these tools cannot do. And that's actually writing from personal experience. So if I follow a particular skincare routine that worked for me, I'm probably going to write about how that skincare routine worked for me. And if other people want to use it, it's great. You know, I would, I, I made a video on YouTube about how I made my first million dollars with e-commerce. That's because that's the process that I followed and it worked for me. Now, if someone creates a generic post versus someone reads from a personal experience, users generally would prefer the post which is written from a personal experience. And there was a very good point that you mentioned that marketeers are chasing the algorithm, but the algorithm is chasing the users. So why don't marketeers chase the users directly, right? So eventually we want to write for the user and not for the algorithm. And when you write for the user, the algorithm will chase you. You know, the algorithm will follow you. Uh, and that's that's what I feel, you know, is 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 going wrong in the ecosystem where we are all chasing the algorithm, but the algorithm wants to chase the user. So why don't we directly write for the user? And users resonate with storytelling. They resonate with personal stories. They resonate with personal experience. And hence, I feel, you know, writing from personal experience 
is actually the best way. So instead of hiring people, business owners should really spend their own time and energy to write. And writing is actually very good exercise for the brain. So if you're a business owner and if you're writing in the mornings, for example, you can easily write your personal experience and story and easily convert it into a blog post rather than, you know, spending that much time in work, finding someone on Upwork, reading their reviews, starting a contract, discussing the requirements with them. You know, you can just you can just use it as a journaling method and then write from personal experience on your blog. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, by the way, I love writing as well. But I usually, you know, if I have no time with writing, oh, sorry for my cat. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I, uh, I'm looking for a specialist with a proven record. Not on a pork, not on Fiverr. Even I don't use LinkedIn. I usually use uh, for bloggers who have a proven record, uh, who can write for other projects. Uh, so I just uh, use a combination of keywords like, uh, for example, crypto best blogs. Then I search for offers, uh, analyze their traffic uh, on Ahrefs. If I see uh, when offers can write awesome text, I mean, like with uh, a lot of traffic, then, yeah, I reach out to them uh, and get awesome writers if you have no time. But I agree, you need to write yourself. Uh, if you have this writing skill, you can, uh, you impact to the process. You can uh, write for customers because uh, specialists who don't work in your company don't know your product. You know, you know uh, what kind of unique selling proposition you have. And sometimes it's better to forget about search engines and think more about humans. So, of course, you can optimize for search engines, but think about humans first. Okay, uh, Risha, I have the question about, uh, can you tell what common mistakes can you see in e-commerce marketing companies still do uh, because in, you know many things are changing and I remember uh, if I used something like uh, five ten years ago I adapt a lot uh, to new challenges to new technologies uh, to, because of competition uh, so uh, tell what kind or least mistakes that companies still do and how to find a much better way Right. So the first, the first most common mistake that I see e-commerce brands make is focusing every, focusing all their time and energy on acquisition. And uh, there's, there's a lot you can do in e-commerce with retention and referral. And uh, brands mostly do not run a lot of retention campaigns. If they do, they don't focus enough time to learn and improve their retention campaigns. And they don't do a lot of referral campaigns. So most of the time they spend on acquisition, which is basically like spending a lot of money on ads, um, SEO, which is all great. But then if you don't get the second order from the user, then basically you're not going to end up making profit margins. And uh, while you can see a very good top line in terms of revenue, you'll be uh, you know, um, way down on your bottom line. Like that's the first thing. The second thing is ignoring conversion rate. Because let's say, for example, I mean, this is, this is such a low-hanging fruit. If the conversion rate on your e-commerce website is 1%, what is the best way to improve your margins? Just get your conversion rate to 2%. If you get your conversion rate to 2%, your ROAS goes from 2x to 4x. Like it's, it's just crazy improvement that you can do just with conversion rate optimization, you can double your return on investment by just going from 1% to 2% conversion rate. But brands just see, okay, 1%, fine, let's just run ads. Uh, you know, wait it out. Don't scale your campaigns. First, get it to 2%, get it to 3% if you can. 
run some conversion data optimization strategies on your product pages, on your cart pages, on your checkout pages. Once your conversion rate is high enough and then you spend money on ads, your, your funnel is going to favor you and your ROI is going to be much higher. So that's the second biggest mistake. And the third biggest mistake is brands take a lot of time to actually come to start focusing on their average order value. So brands just assume that the AOV is decided by the user because if they buy more, the average order value goes up. But that's not true. Brands can decide their AOV by running different AOV experiments. So Amazon does this very well, where they say frequently brought together, you know, people who buy this also buy this, uh, buying bundles, buying packages, buying subscriptions. There's so many ways that you can improve the average order value. Now, if I pay $30 cost of acquisition of a customer, let's say to Meta ads or Google ads, and my average order value is $100, um, I'm, I'm making, let's say, a 3x. But if I just get my average order value to $120, now I'm making a 4x. So I just have to sell $20 more to the same user rather than acquiring a new user from my funnel. So these are the things that brands need to think about. The first one is, um, you know, just to re recap, since it was a long answer, the first one is don't spend all your time and energy on acquisition. Focus on retention and referral campaigns. The second one is to improve your conversion rate before you scale your ad campaigns. And the third one nice. is to run experiments to improve your average order value. Yeah. Awesome tips. Awesome. You remind me of Bill Gates once he shared on one interview, you know, <laughs> about his strategy, uh, how he can invest to marketing and sales. He told, for example, if he has product A and product B, after investing X amount of money to product A and X amount to product B, if product B can sell two times more, the, the second time he doesn't invest anything to product A and uh, double investment to product B because he knows he can sell a lot more. It's like focusing. And uh, yeah, uh, sometimes you can focus on something that you have and think how to double uh, because uh, acquiring a new customer costs five times more than retaining existing customers. Right. So improve customer experience, uh, retain them longer, provide much better experience. Uh, and for example, in my company, I usually tell we need to give more than we promise. For example, if we have clients uh, and they have struggled to write text, I can tell uh, my team, okay, let's do it. Let's uh, help with writing. Let's help with designing. Let's uh, provide something for free because I know uh, if I invest this uh, money to acquire new customers, it costs a lot more than retaining uh, existing customers because many customers have no resources and time to cover all your recommendations. Only 40% of all recommendations are implemented. It, uh, yeah. uh, so uh, if you can help them, you can retain much longer. Okay, Arish, I have the question about uh, your experience. Let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do today to learn more about e-commerce marketing? Right. So, yeah, that's an interesting question because the e-commerce marketing ecosystem changes a lot all the time. And when I started, it was very different. And honestly, it could have been much easier when I started. Ads were not that expensive. Uh, you know, a lot of things were different. But if I, if, I, if I had to suggest, like, one thing, if you had to start again, you know, before you work with clients, before you actually handle a client store or get brands on board, if you're freelancing, let's say, or if you're running an agency, um, the first thing you want to do is launch your own store. 
and experiment with your own store first and see how that goes. If you are a business owner who wants to get into e-commerce, if you're not an agency or freelancer, then the first thing that I would like to suggest is talk to at least 20 people who you think will buy from you, right? Like talk to those people and understand what kind of websites they use, what would they like to see on the website? How would, how would they like the checkout process to be? How would they like the user experience to be? What kind of product prices work with them? <clears throat> Sorry, because these are the fundamental things that decide all of your marketing campaigns. And a lot of people don't spend enough time on this. So for example, if you find the right price point for your product, your entire marketing effort will be much easier. But if you try to sell a product that a user wants to buy for $70, if you're trying to sell it at $80, just $10 more, your entire marketing funnel is ruined because the people just want to buy it at $70. You know, you have to test those fundamentals. So get your fundamentals in first, talk to users, understand their persona, understand how they behave online, what kind of prices they want to buy at, and then start your e-commerce journey. You know, do all of that effort first. A lot of times people start marketing first and then learn what kind of price points people buy at. And that doesn't work because your conversion rate is gone, right? Nice, nice. Yeah. By the way, you know, I often speak with many marketing experts and I found, uh, for example, if I ask 100 times uh, about their methods, I can get 100 different replies, you know, various replies, because uh, it doesn't mean that something, uh, someone is right or wrong. It means they have their strong size experience and uh, to pay attention with that. It's very important because uh, the era of lazy marketers is that now. And uh, I'm interested about Yurish. Can you tell what kind of unique selling proposition you have? We have many e-commerce marketers today. Now, uh, many of them can provide good service. Some can provide bad service. <laughs> Most of them probably. So, uh, uh, yeah, they can uh, learn. They can grow, you know, so even if you have bad products, uh, it doesn't mean that uh, it's there. It's the start of the journey. I remember when Gary Vee uh, shared about uh, making mistakes. He told, even if you do anything wrong for five years, you are in the beginning of your journey. You know, it doesn't mean that uh, you can go ahead. Of course you can, you know, uh, and uh, marketing is quickly changing field. You need to learn to practice and I'm interested about your strong side. Why customers need to cooperate with you? What kind of benefits can you provide much better than your competitors? Sure, sure, sure. So the first thing that, uh, you know, there are a few things that I do not provide uh, better than competitors. And that's the first thing I tell customers. I'm not cheaper than the others. Uh, I'm probably more expensive. And that's the first thing that I want to clarify with, you know, whenever I get on a client call, I say, I'm not here to say, you should work with me because I'll give you a lower cost because that's not going to happen. Um, this is a mistake that I've seen people make that they just try to compete on the cost and that's a never ending competition. Uh, the second thing I don't provide is everything in one place. I know that there's one stop solution where you come to me and you'll get everything and I'll solve all your e-commerce marketing problems. I do not provide that. I'm probably going to solve half your problems and the rest half you'll have to figure it out yourself. And the reason why I tell customers this is because if I tell them I'm gonna solve half your problems, I'll actually end up solving 80% of the problems and then over deliver on my promise, rather than saying I'll solve 100% of your problems because there are many things that are not gonna be in my control, right? So for instance, I cannot control the shipping cost or the logistic cost of a product. It's just not in my control. Now, even though the line between marketing and sales is slowly blurring, 
right? It's all becoming one unit, especially with e-commerce. There's no sales team in e-commerce. The marketing team is the sales team. I tell customers that I, I don't provide sales support. You know, you have to provide sales support. I'm a marketeer. I'm not a support uh, support guy. So there are clear things that, you know, I tell clients that I cannot provide. Now, coming to the part, the interesting part, which is, you know, why is why you should work with me or what are my strengths? You know, one of the things that I, I have done in my career is I've gone really micro niche because I only work with brands who have a specific target audience. And the specific target audience is the female self-purchase audience that I work with in the US and Canada region. So I've specified my regions. I've also said that I only work with brands who have female target audience. I don't work with brands who have a male target audience. So all my brands are like skincare, beauty, fashion. It's all the female audience. And also I work with the self-purchase audience. And this is the kind of buying decision that a female can make within a one minute time period. So it's a bag, it's a clothing, it's a garment, it's a skincare product, it's a hair care product, it's a beauty product, it's a, a fitness product. These are buying decisions that females can make within one minute. So I've gone really micro niche because e-commerce is not a niche. E-commerce is a huge industry. And if I say I'm an e-commerce marketer, I can sell anything in e-commerce. I would be telling a lie, you know, because I do e-commerce, female audience, uh, specific regions, U.S., Canada, and I've I've mastered that audience. You know, I've mastered that particular mindset of how this audience thinks, what they do, how they buy, their entire user behavior. So when someone comes to me, they already know that I can do the job because they've been referred by exactly a customer or a brand who's in the same space as them. Uh, you know, or I'm working with their competitors in a different location. So I don't work with two brands in the same location to avoid competition. So, so that's that's how I've you know specialized by really micro niching. And if if someone had to start marketing as a service, I would recommend the same thing. You know, go really micro niche um, instead of just saying I can do anything in e-commerce marketing because that's not true. Yeah, yeah, I I love it. I love it. You know, in 2020, I decided to grow my social media profile. I jump on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, yeah. Instagram, TikTok, you know, my many channels, Twitter. And, you know, uh, the best results that I got, uh, I think uh, like five, 10 followers a day, you know, a hundred views. Then I switch all my attention to LinkedIn to pay attention only to one social media. Even I stop repurposing content. Uh, and uh, I improve my results to 200 followers a day, 10,000 views because of paying attention to one specific channel. And uh, I always tell my clients, don't search for someone who can decide all your problems. Or you can hire a marketing manager who can uh cooperate with many different marketers various marketers who, who know uh who know specific directions but don't search for the best price it's the wrong strategy ever uh, search for experience if people have experience if they know the topic you can get results if you uh choose the price oh you know you can waste your uh money even not money uh sometimes such promotion can hurt and sometimes you uh, can, uh, you know, you can waste your time. For example, if you lose money, 
That's okay, you know. I, I lost many times money in my life, you know. For example, I I had bad projects that uh, I've learned from them. Uh, but uh, I think uh, it's more important uh, to uh, not to waste your time because you can't recover time. You can recover. You can lose money and get them back. You can lose properties, get them back, but you can't recover time. You know? So it's better to uh, be smart, you know, to analyze uh, and cooperate with experts. Yeah. Yes, they charge more, but you can get uh, unique strategy that will provide results. I completely agree with that. Rich, I have the final question. Just final. Uh, can you predict the future in uh, marketing e-commerce field? Uh, many things are coming. Metaverse, uh, AI tools, I don't know. Uh, many of them are uh, even important to use today. So what kind of future will be in your prediction? And how to adapt today to this future? Right. So can I predict the future? The short answer is no. Uh, but the long answer about e-commerce marketing, what do, what do I feel about e-commerce in the future? Um, so a lot of things are going to change in the way that um, you know users use e-commerce websites. And I am always more interested in what's going to change in the user behavior, because then I can predict what's going to change in the marketing ecosystem. But if I just predict, you know, what new technology is coming, sometimes people just say, okay, new technology is coming, AI is coming, everything is going to change. I mean, remember, you you probably remember when voice search was, uh, you know, launched. So there was no voice search, right? SEO, there was no voice search at some point. And then since the past five years, I've been hearing Voice search is going to be the best way to search. People are just going to use voice search. Every year I hear a prediction about voice search, but people still type into search, you know, like that's just how people search. Unfortunately, uh, there's a very small uh, percentage of people who actually use voice search. Um, but yeah, what I'm trying to say is every new technology does not deserve to become the trend. Right. And um, I do feel, however, that with AI, I am quite positive that it's not, like you said, it's not a future, it's just the present. AI is how things are happening. But that does not does not mean that you replace your marketing team or you replace your marketing funnels. I think AI at the moment is a good assistant, uh, but AI is a bad manager. It's not a good manager. It's a, bad, it's a good assistant, but you still need strategies. You still need management. Uh, one, of the, one of the important things that I think is going to happen in e-commerce is more and more genuine brands are going to get all of the attention because in the past few years what happened is there was a lot of drop shippers there was a lot of these people who were getting products from china and then you know here and there and then selling low quality products with very long delivery times in the us like there was a lot of all of this happening but i think after the ios tracking update which is something that marketers hate uh, but i personally like it you know i lost a lot of business because of that update a lot of my clients lost a lot of lost a lot of money because of that update. Uh, meta ads became very expensive, but I still like it because I think now is the time for good branding. You know, now is the time for good storytelling. Now is not the time to just run some hacks on your ad campaigns. Now is the time to actually create content from personal experience rather than just uh, you know hire a couple of copywriters to write content now is the time to actually talk about how you and your brand are connected together now is a brand to personalize you know now is the time to actually create personalized connections with people which you know we call zero party data and so forth but but it's actually just the time to go back to how branding should actually be done you know that's what i feel
Nice, nice. Yeah, love it, love it. I think, you know, it doesn't matter what will happen, you know, uh, because in marketing, uh, many things happen fast. And uh, if you have experience now to adapt, if you have experience to create content uh, for customers, then you can adapt to new channels fast. Uh, without experience, you know, I, I don't understand the point when someone uh, can share why I need to use SEO if SEO will be there. Of course, SEO will be there, but it takes time, you know, it takes yeah. a, a long time. Okay, uh, even metaverse can change the world. Okay, but if you have experience in SEO or on LinkedIn, you can adapt faster because of this experience. Uh, I love the point when someone asked uh, Gary Vee about TikTok. Okay, US can ban TikTok. Why to grow on TikTok? Because if you have experience growing on TikTok, even if yeah. it happens, you can adapt this experience to any other channel. So, yeah, I agree. 100% Rich, it's a big pleasure to get my show, to learn from you, tell our audience the best way how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, how to follow you. Absolutely. So my LinkedIn is one of the channels that I'm most active on, uh, like just like you. So Rishabh Dev is my name on LinkedIn. And uh, apart from that, if you directly want to email me, I do have a direct email address, which is rish at maplinks.com, M-A-P-P-L-I-N-K-S, maplinks.com. Mm-hmm. Nice, guys, you can find all these links in the description below, uh, below. Uh, LinkedIn profile, uh, other information that you uh, can hear on this podcast. I recommend 100% to follow Rish on LinkedIn because you can see a lot of valuable insights. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.